0: Grace and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Over my years as a pastor, I have had plenty of people tell me something like this. You know, pastor, things have been great ever since I started going to church again. God is really blessing me. And I've had people tell me something like this. You know, pastor, ever since I started coming to church again, everything's going wrong. I can't seem to catch a break. I think things were easier when I wasn't going to church. Now, both of these approaches are measuring God's blessing by ease of life. If things are going well, well, if they're easy for you anyway, God's blessing you. If things are tough, well, God must be withholding his blessing from you because you've done something wrong, or you failed to do something, or you need to do something more. All right, so I, I started coming to church, thus, I deserve God's blessing. <laughs> That's the mindset. That's the thought. Well, there's, there's a few problems with this way of thinking. First of all, Jesus has already made it clear that the Heavenly Father gives all kinds of material blessings to the just and the unjust, the righteous and the unrighteous. So the rain doesn't just fall on the fields of the righteous, but on all the earth. God provides for us not because we deserve it, but as we say in the uh, explanation to the, the first article of the creed, only out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me. So God doesn't give you gifts because you earned it but because he, he's good, <laughs> he's a loving father, and he likes to give his blessings. Second, though, is, is that this mindset ignores a major teaching from Jesus. You know, nowhere does it say, nowhere does Jesus say, that if we start following him, our lives will become immediately better, at least if we measure better in terms of material wealth and comfort. Rather, again and again, we hear things like this from Jesus. Deny yourselves, take up your cross, and follow me. He says, if the world hates you, it hated me first. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, Therefore, the world hates you. You ever heard this kind of evangelism tactic used? Just try Christianity. If you try it, you'll like it. If you try it, God will bless you. (laughs) Well, it is true that God blesses those who uh, come by faith in Christ. But God doesn't promise, the kind of material blessings that most people have in mind when they hear, God's going to bless you. Sometimes, sometimes following Jesus actually means your life's going to be harder. I was talking with my my friend who uh, works with the, the Somali immigrants down there in Columbus, and he was telling me a story of a man who has come to faith in Christ and it has cost him dearly. These Somali individuals, if they, if they come to faith in Christ, what they have to lose is pretty much everything. Because they're going to endure mockery, maybe even physical abuse. They're going to lose their place of uh, where they live a lot of times. Sometimes they will face... Uh, unemployment, and they can't find a job because nobody in the Somali community is going to hire them because now they are an outcast. And not only that, (laughs) their name gets sullied throughout the community so that hopefully nobody will hire them. Well, this Somali man following Jesus means losing everything. And yet the man said, I'm willing to lose it all for Jesus. This is the, the kind of divisions Jesus speaking, was speaking of in today's gospel reading. He had already told his disciples, you know, don't be anxious about the material things. God the Father loves you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to provide your daily bread for you. But now he also makes it very, very clear following him isn't merely a chicken soup for the soul kind of thing. It very well might mean hardship, division, and loss. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For I tell you from now on, In one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. There will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother and mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. You know, on Christmas, we, we hear those words from the angel every year, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And now Jesus says, do you think that I have come to bring peace on earth? No, but I tell you, Division. Well, this is not a contradiction here. This is a clarification. The peace that Jesus comes to bring isn't just some kind of artificial warm and fuzzy feeling that you get from singing Christmas carols and receiving and giving presents and gathering together with family and having a nice meal together. The peace that Jesus came to bring was peace between God and man. Peace that is... You are in a right relationship with God. You are in a right standing. You have eternal peace with God through Jesus. That's the kind of peace he came to bring. But at the same time he brings that kind of peace. He's bringing division. Because when you walk in the ways of Christ. There will necessarily be divisions that come about in this life. And sometimes those divisions are even within those closest units of relationships like families. Those who deny themselves and take up the crosses and follow Jesus can, can expect to face division in the here and the now. Sometimes being a Christian means you lose out on some of the comforts and riches in this life when we commit ourselves to the Lord and to his ways. Some will hate us, and some will think us hateful. Our reading from Hebrews shows this division, this this loss. It's not anything new. Moses. Moses kind of wins the lottery, doesn't he? He's born into a slave family. They put him in a basket, put him in the river, and who gets him? Pharaoh's daughter, right? He could be raised in, ho- in the household of Pharaoh as a child belonging to Pharaoh and his household, have all of the creature comforts you can imagine, never have to worry about anything as far as you know, those physical things in this life. And he forsakes all of that, doesn't he? He forsakes all of that because he comes to know the true God. Hebrew says he chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Rahab. Rahab chooses to protect those spies and to associate with the people of God and to associate really with the true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob rather than with her own people. She faces this division because of her willingness to follow the true God. So many saints were willing to suffer loss, even loss of life, rather than deny the Lord. As the author of Hebrews writes, some were tortured, Refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in the dens and caves of the earth. Now, why, why would you choose all of that hardship, all of that, that suffering? Why would you choose such loss? Because they knew the surpassing wealth and glory found in Jesus. Jesus spoke of the the baptism that he was going to be baptized with. and, And they knew what he had done for them. They knew what their Lord had done for them. So Jesus talks about this baptism he's going to be baptized with, right? What's he talking about there? He's talking about the cross. The the baptism He's going to be baptized with is that baptism upon the cross where the wrath of God is poured out upon Him, where He endures all of the suffering for all of the sins of all people of all time. Your sins and my sins. You know, the, the wages of sin is death, right? But you ever wonder, why is it that then as soon as somebody commits that sin, they don't just die on the spot. <laughs> Adam and Eve in the, in the garden, right? They, they commit that sin. They eat for the, the fruit they were told not to eat from. God had every right right then and there to be like, oh, <laughs> you're done. <laughs> and they die right then and there. But why doesn't God do that? Well, the Romans tells us this was to show God's righteousness. Because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So rather than strike people dead right then and right there, God in his forbearance, he waits. And rather than wanting to pour that wrath upon those who justly deserve it, God the Son says, no, 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 I'll take that. And the wrath of God is poured out upon him so that it does not have to be poured out upon us who rightly deserve it. We don't receive what we deserve from God. Rather, we receive what we don't deserve. We get mercy. We've now become heirs of an eternal kingdom through faith in Christ. So now, with, with all that God has in store for us, everlasting life, joy, peace, patience, all of those things... When God, has, when, when God has all of that in store for us, resurrection life with immortal bodies, why in the world would we want to compromise all of that for that which is passing away? Because all of this is what? It's passing away. The Christians, during the Roman persecution, would sometimes be given an opportunity you can save your life, they were told, if, if you just do this. All you have to do, just, just bow down a little bit here before the Roman image and, and take a little pinch of incense and put it in this fire. That's all you have to do. Just a pinch of incense. What big deal is that? You can worship your Christ alongside all these other gods, as long as you acknowledge Caesar as God too. And the Christian said, we can't do it. We won't do it. We'll die rather than do this act of idolatry. Well, back to Hebrews. All of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility as against himself, so that you may not grow weary or (laughs) faint-hearted. Jesus was willing to give it all up for us. And now with all of the promises He has in store for us, He says, now fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Him and walk in His ways. Don't let all of these things distract you from that which is to come. So let's go back to the very beginning of the sermon. Right, so, are there great blessings for those who make regular attendance of the divine service and taking seriously their walk with the Lord? Are there great blessings for those people in this life? Absolutely. Absolutely. Forgiveness, peace, joy, hope, knowing we have future resurrection that awaits, right? We can live with all of those things, But following Jesus also might very well mean hardship, separation, hostility, re-engaging spiritually. Might very well mean Satan ramps up his attacks on you. Taking seriously the teachings of founding God's word might mean material loss in the here and now. But let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the one who was crucified for our sake, so that we can have peace with God and resurrection, life, and the world to come. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who is our greatest treasure. Let us pray with the hymnist. Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. curb those who bite deceit seed or sword, would wrest the kingdom from your Son, and bring to naught all he has done. In Jesus, there are great blessings. There will be cost in following Jesus, but that cost is so greatly outweighed by all of the blessings that we have in him that it it cannot even be compared. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, may the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting, amen. Let's stand as we continue with the prayers of the church.